I would much rather be who I am, imperfect, unbelieving, doubtful, struggling uh, publicly and have people say, oh, Pastor Natalia didn't believe in God yesterday. I didn't either. <laughs> cool. I think I could, I could, I could do that. I could be there. I could, I could be in that church. I could be in a church where their pastor is honest about faith and struggle and how hard it is to be a person in this world. I'd rather have our church be full of people like that than people who are putting on their perfect veneer of Christianity to sit in the pews. All right, our gospel this uh, Sunday after Easter, first Sunday after Easter, or first Sunday of Easter, I guess you could say, is John 20. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. And that is the uh, gospel that we read every year, uh, the Sunday following Easter Sunday. Um, and... Um, my, uh, I have a good friend who <clears throat> is a professor of theology at Grandview College, and we went to seminary together. He's a pastor as well, and uh, he wrote an article this week on this uh, text, so I wanted to just share a few selections from that article to help get the juices flowing, help, help us maybe take some other perspectives on, on this passage that might elicit some questions or just some, something you'd like to share. Uh, Ken Sunda Jones uh, is, uh, uh, Dr. Jones is my friend who wrote this article entitled Tommy Boy and the Case of the Doubts. Uh, and so, I, again, I'm taking some, some uh, selections out of that article. The whole thing's great, but we don't have time for all of it here. Uh, Peace be with you is pure gospel for the fearful when it comes from the lips of Jesus. 
All world's demands for propriety in its eyes come at some cost. They require you, require you to give something up of yourself, your time, your energy, your money, your safety, your future. Whether these demands come from your work, your family, or even your play, a demand's fulfillment demands sol uh, depends solely on what you do. But Jesus came to a group of people who were hanging on to the knot at the end of their rope. They had nothing left they could pull together to do for themselves. We can picture those disciples locked away in this room. That's sweet news for us sinners all these centuries later who know how little we can do for our futures. For those of us who recognize the disciples' despair in themselves, Jesus comes with the same word, relax, it's me, peace be with you. He, that is Thomas, showed up hours later and the disciples bombarded him with what had happened. They gave him the world premiere of their new song of Jesus and forgiveness. They declared these promises of the risen Jesus to their friend, but it wasn't enough for Thomas. And there we have the second move of the sinful heart. Isn't it just like a sinner to demand more than what God offers in his promise? It's not enough that Jesus merely declares it so. We want some proof. Luther called this move we sinners make enthusiasm <laughs> or God withinism. We don't accept either God or his son Jesus Christ at their word. Proof is what we want and demand he give it. Some want to take God's forgiving word and add worldly success and prosperity as final proof of God's good intentions. Others want the emotional kick of a spiritual gift like speaking in tongues. Still others think that God's word isn't really real unless they truly feel something in worship. Some won't believe until there's world peace or their kids listen to them, whichever comes first. <laughs> Jesus told Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Jesus didn't let Thomas waste much time on the picking and the poking. Already he shifted the focus away. As far away as you sitting here today, all that was left for Thomas and the rest of the disciples and those feisty women alongside them was to bring it, to preach it. Even as Jesus sent out his disciples with his death and resurrection on their lips, so he has sent out generations of preachers, and not just pastors, your parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, your Sunday school teachers, the friends who came in your despair and loss, all who have given you the good news that draws you here to this place, they are sent to you so that you might believe. Yeah, so Kenny's a great, a great author and just a good creative theologian, and uh, you, can, you, can, uh, you can find the whole article or get a hold of me and I'll send you the link, but I think he gives good perspective on this, on this passage. Um, uh, and so, uh, I, let's open it up. Uh, there, I know there are, we have some questions already submitted, but maybe there's some in the room. It might be related 
to Easter. You might jump to some other liturgical season uh, or have some other uh, uh, topic that you want to run by us. Okay, so based off what you just said, that you know, we all want proof, what do you think, and I'm just asking you to, I know you don't know, but what's your guess? What's the upside of not giving more proof? Like, why didn't Jesus return to those crowds that were there when they were yelling to crucify him to be like, hey, this is what happened, instead of, <laughs> what, what's the upside to having to have faith instead of having the proof? The upside. I think that John ends this section um, with Jesus talking to the rest of us, right? I mean, that, that's what this is. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Like, that's the gospel to us. That's all of us, right? We haven't seen the risen Jesus. We haven't gotten to do the hand pokey thing, which is objectively gross. But, like, uh, I think there... There is a blessing for those of us who have not gotten the proof we want that we want so much. And I think uh, it doesn't make it easier when you want proof. Um, we did ask the pastors with the middle schoolers <laughs> on Wednesday night, and one of the students asked me, uh, when's a moment you really felt like God was real? Just a, just a, small, just a small question. <laughs> um, and this is that sort of thing, right? We all have our moments where we've been like, okay, God, if you're real, show up in this way or I'm not going to believe, right? We've all done this. This is the most natural, normal thing we do is, is test God's presence in our lives. Um, and so I think it's so easy to look at this and be like, Jesus was shaming Thomas or Jesus was making you know, a point like you shouldn't doubt, you should believe, uh, and instead we get a blessing for the way we don't have the same proof. We are blessed for not having, we get a blessing from God for not having the proof we so desire. And I'm not saying that uh, that's an, I don't know if that's an upside, <laughs> that's the right, but, but to say there is blessing for us too in this, that we may not have gotten to do the physical touching of a risen Jesus, but there's a blessing for us to see. Um, and the very next part of this, this line is, there are many other signs written in this book, which I, or that Jesus did that aren't written in this book. And I think there's our, there's our go out, right? There's many other signs. What's the sign for you? What is, it's that middle school question for me, which was, what was the thing that made you believe in God? What happened to you? Did you ever test God and it worked? I want to hear about it. And for me, what I told these middle schoolers on Wednesday, I told them a story, which I don't need to say now. We can talk about it after. Come talk to me afterwards. I'll tell you the story. But, uh, but I said that, that story is different for everybody. And the second we assume that it has to look like this, God has to come to you in this way, like Thomas. God has to come to you in this way, like the disciples. God has to show up in this one way, like God did for Natalia or God did for Brent, or God did for Chad, then we limit God. So the way we learn how big God is is to hear the stories of how God has shown up in everybody's life. It's so different. And then that just expands and expands and expands and expands all the ways that God shows up in the world. Many other signs have been done 
in the presence of the disciples that are not written down. That's up to you then to share what that is. I think that's the, the beauty of this text to me is that line right there. Could I talk for longer on this? You bet I can. I'll stop. You don't have to stop. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, I, 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 I've often asked myself a similar question, you know, why, if, why does it, it sounds as though it's better to believe with less proof, like there's this sliding scale, right? <laughs> those who believe with little proof, you know, are somehow more blessed than those who needed a full-on miracle right in front of them. Um, but then, you know, when you follow the story and you look through the Gospels, you find that those who did have a full-blown miracle that happened right in front of them turned around and lost their faith. They doubted. They misunderstood. They ran away in fear. They did all kinds of, you know, unfaithful things after having had this, this unbelievable, you know, miracle that they experienced firsthand. So I'm not sure that proof, however we might choose to define that, really does for us what we think it might. Mm. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, I think it's fleeting. You know, I think of the disciples up on the Mount of Transfiguration and being driven to their faces, seeing Jesus transformed and, and Moses and Elijah on either side. And, and then they come back down the mountain and they just start right back in with their nonsense. You know, they, it, <laughs> it, I, I just, and I don't know really what we're after when we say, Faith, you know, what, what does it mean to us? What, how do we define that? Um, <laughs> I guess for me it's, it's about having this, this, this belief that God is present, especially in our lowest and worst and most difficult moments. And I'm, I'm looking out at, at, at you, and I know so many of you have had this experience of the presence of God when you were just at the most uh, difficult place in your lives, so the loss of someone you love or, or, or whatever the case might be, you had an experience of God's presence being with you. Many of you are having it now. Um, and did that come as a result of some proof, or is it just a gift that God gives when God thinks you should have it? And so it's good, it's great dynamic to wrestle with in the, in the faith. But I, I guess in the end I say, even if we were given you know, weekly scheduled miracles that we, could, <laughs> that we could witness, I'm not sure we go through the rest of the week you know, as not struggling with, with doubt or unbelief or despair or other such things. This is why Luther often spoke of a daily dying, a, a rem, you know, reminding ourselves of our baptism every day. We, we just, that's why we keep coming to worship and opening this word and experiencing it together. We just need to constantly live and move and have our being in the, in the reality of God's word, which always finds us and claims us and forgives us and sends us out. Ah, good. Um, what I'm hearing you say is like, not everybody's faithful at the whole time, which makes sense, but there has to be someone more faithful than both of you, no offense. But <laughs> <laughs> so much shade by my kid, y'all. I'm sure there is someone in this audience who's more faithful than one of you. For sure. So what makes you more of a pastor than anybody here? <laughs> what? That's great. It's a great question. Thank you. Okay, yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm 100% sure somebody in this room has more faith than I do on any given day, 100%. Um, the laying on of hands and the ordination that we as pastors get, the education we get does not make us magic or special or somehow better, more faithful. Uh, it just doesn't. Uh, and that's when Luther talks about the priesthood of all believers, this is, this is saying we all have a role to play in this kingdom, but also um, our gifts are different and varied for a reason. Um, my, one of my friends calls me a professional Christian. That's what <laughs> she says my job is to be like a professional churchy person. And I think that's really funny. She actually says professional Christian weirdo. That's what she calls me. <laughs> uh, because I've chosen to do this thing, this God stuff as my job. Um, but that doesn't make me a better person of faith than anyone. Yeah, is it? Yeah. It, I think... Layla, in your question, it's sort of assumed that <clears throat> pastors ought to be at least up there in the people with the most faith in God, and, <laughs> and yet you are pointing to a reality that is that there are, there are most certainly people who, I mean, faith is a hard thing to measure, right? <laughs> You'd hard to say, your faith is a little stronger than mine, or, but there is such a thing as sometimes we just, in the sort of ebb and flow of life, sometimes we feel closer to God than we do at other times, and sometimes we feel like our faith impacts our daily life uh, more directly and comprehensively than it does at other times. So if you're at one of those places where you're just really, you're just really moved by God's presence in your own life, uh, and I might not be at that high place for high watermark for my own faith life, um, should pastors be the ones who are always up here or near the top? And, but but you're, saying, you're pointing out the reality that that can't be true. There's people are in the, the higher place than we are. So what, I guess then what we have to look at is what is the role of the pastor? And, and I think it's first to proclaim the, the, the good news of the gospel, the best that we are capable of doing, to make it relevant to, to people and so that they can look in their own lives and find ways that this Word of God is connecting with them in their own lives. And, and uh, it's less about um, being the, the, the sort of the top faith person in the, in the community than it is about helping all of us point to those places where we see people acting out their faith, you know. And so often that, that person or those people are are, are, are found in hidden, shady corners where you wouldn't look for them otherwise. They're sometimes the, the eldest and the most frail, or, or they're, they're suffering in some sort of way personally. And they are, they are to be in their presence is to be in the presence of, of God because of their, their sort of proximity. And yeah, so I, I, think, um, I think it points out a good a good thing for us to realize, which is um, together, we're all in this together. And, and uh, when your faith is strong, you can be a blessing to me if I'm struggling or I'm going through something in my own life or something, I've experienced some sadness in my life. And, and, and uh, for us to be able to, to just sort of encourage and, and lift up those places where we see in the community 
um, faith being lived out and making a difference in the world is, is uh, part of the role of, of, of what the pastor is. And the other answer is, why not anybody here, why couldn't anybody else be a pastor? Um, they can be, they, they, <laughs> and, and they should think about it. And maybe God's calling others in the community. We've had and continue to have lots of people uh, through the community of Prince of Peace decide, I am called into the ministry in one way or another. And so we, that's a blessing. The Gospels tell us that Jesus often preached in a way that um, many people didn't understand. And in fact, he'd take his apostles beside or aside afterwards and say, this is what I was really talking about. <laughs> why do you think that is? I've never understood that. Why, why are the secrecy? Doesn't seem like a great way to get the message out. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I think, I think thinking about why a gospel writer might record that, I think is more is more helpful for me to say. Listen, people who were there listening in person didn't get it, and Jesus had to like pull them aside and talk a little deeper about her. This is what this means, and this is what this means. So when I feel like that's very permission giving for me to do the same, right? To say, boy, I have no idea what this what this is talking about, um, and I'm and I'm not like walking next to Jesus with him being like, this is what I'm. You know, so I think there's a lot of permission given in these gospel writers to be like, hey, if you don't get it, don't worry. We didn't either. Um, and it took, you know, getting the whole story for us to kind of look back and be like, oh, that's what that was about. Oh, that's what that was about. And kind of being able to do that, we have the gift of already being here, knowing the end of the story and being able to do that all the time. Um, but I think there's a lot of permission to say, listen, if you don't get it, we didn't either. And, um, but to not stop asking, I mean, this is why this is helpful in this day, is it's not, we're not stopping asking questions. Jesus did never stop trying to explain it when they didn't get it. Jesus didn't stop trying to help them figure it out or say it in another way. You know, so many of the parables are the same story just told with a different object lesson, right? Yeast, mustard, <laughs> birds, flowers. Like, what do you need? What do you need me to tell you about? I'll help you get it this way, this way, this way. And I think that's, it's just helpful for us to say, we don't have to, if this one doesn't make sense, okay, it didn't make sense for them either. I think that's a lot of, it's a lot of freedom for me in being like, I don't have to get it always in order to keep listening and keep tuning in and keep asking questions. Yeah, and I think by not putting too fine a point on things, it, 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 <laughs> It allowed for these, say, the parables, for instance, to, re, to, re, to be reinterpreted in every age, in every context. Um, you know, you think of the, the, the good Samaritan or the prodigal son or, you know, the, the lost stories, the lost sheep, lost coin, uh, and so on. You know, they all, are, they all can be brought into our a reality in a way that just fe still feels relevant. We can still wrestle with various aspects of of these stories without having the moral of the story, you know, included in the title of the thing. You know, we call it the parable <laughs> of the prodigal son. It's probably not at all what it should be called. Or the good, good Samaritan. I mean, all of them, we can, there's just no, you can't get to the bottom of any of them. And part of that is because they, 
you know, they, they were slightly obscure in their day and continue to be, but they're always happening in the context. Of, uh, uh, if you take Jesus' sayings and stories, which your question was related to, is in the context of a, of, a, of a Messiah who's moving toward Jerusalem where he will take upon himself the worst violence that this uh, humanity can muster and, and die with it and give us back a, an alternative. Uh, so all of these stories are always reflecting the light of that telos, that, that end thing that Christ is moving toward. Uh, and that whole context is never not relevant for our current day situation. And, and always, we can always enter these stories and wrestle with them and find our place in them. And sometimes we were this one, other times we might have been that one, because it was, it was a little bit messy and hard, <laughs> maybe even hard to understand, and maybe that's part of the point of all of it, you know? A question from online in some faith traditions or even customs then maybe doubt is seen as um, taboo, less than, a sin even. So for someone perhaps either walking through our doors or worshiping with us online, what would you say to someone then who is experiencing this doubt if they come from this context or understanding of, you know, my doubt, my questions make me feel sinful or less than? How do we speak to that? The first thing I would say is that feeling sinful <laughs> or being sinful is not something that should surprise any of us. Um, and so, it's, and it's also not necessarily a, a terrible thing. So, uh, I feel sinful right now. Um, <laughs> I, in fact, am sinful. So, my, my only hope out of all of this, whether or not I regard doubt as a sin um, or any other specific thing, is that Christ has taken all of that upon himself and died with it and given me back an alternative, uh, a, a new life, a forgiven life, a, a life of one who has been chosen, a beloved, uh, a, a daughter of Zion, I mean a, a, a child of God. So, yeah, um, um, sometimes it might feel like uh, doubt uh, is, is a sin. I, I probably have been given enough in my life that I ought to be able to muster up some belief, but you know, uh, when that doesn't happen, there is God in Christ reconciling me and, and claiming me and forgiving me. Um, that is, in fact, people, the point. <laughs> so, um, you know, part of the role of the pastor is to help us see those places where we are falling short. This is the law. Um, and, and, and that's not always a comfortable thing. The law kills. It makes us aware of our own shortcomings, our sinfulness. But the law... Uh, points us to our need for a gospel, for Christ, for resurrection. And that, in fact, is what we are given. It's why Easter is the celebration that it is, because it is the, the triumph of, of life over death. Um, so, yeah, the, the, whether it's doubt or, you know, um, uh, cheating on your taxes, I don't know what sin has you, you know, feeling <laughs> crummy about yourself. But that's not such a bad thing. You, you ought to f feel that once in a while. Um, because of how far God has gone in Christ to claim you as his own. And that's why we keep coming back to it. 
um, this gospel, this good news, wouldn't be good if there wasn't anything for it to overcome. Uh, but there is, and there has been, and there will be. So this is the hope of the resurrection. This, we are Easter people, uh, not perfect people. Yes. Also, if you're in a tradition that has taught you that questions aren't, that is not our tradition. <laughs> that's just not, that's not what we're ab about here. That's not what we believe. That's not what we, I mean, the whole, the whole of scripture is full of people of faith asking questions of God. <laughs> that's, that's so much of the Bible that we read and, and explore and dig into is people asking questions and struggling with doubt and testing God and wondering where God is and shouting at God when it feels like God's not there and crying out to God when they need help. And it's, it's just full of this. So to say, um, you are only a good Christian if you have no questions and no doubt and no struggle. Well, then I, pff, I, you've thrown out the whole of Scripture with that. I mean, it's just, it's not, it's not in there. It's just not in there. And uh, so for people who wonder, you know, what, what do I do if I have doubts? What do I do if I have questions? You're in, a, you're in the good company here. <laughs> uh, we, we have these same questions. We have these same doubts. We, we don't hide them. I think part of the problem is having this expectation that as a person of faith, you're not allowed to have it, so we never talk about it, or we never say, I'm struggling. I don't know if I believe in God right now. I don't know if I, if I believe this is real. I don't know if I believe this thing. I'm not sure what I think about this. If we just keep that all inside then and post these pretty pictures of Easter, and this is what we believe, everything's great, uh, people start to think that's what Christianity is. It's only Easter. It's only this day. It's only the pretty picture with the flowers in front of the cross on Easter Sunday. It's not. It's the impossibly hard days, too. It's, it's all of those. It's the big questions, too. And to be, I mean, I know, I know it makes people uncomfortable sometimes to hear the pastor say they're struggling with faith or to say they don't know what they believe or to say 100% sure somebody out there believes better than I do or is more faithful than I am. I know that makes people uncomfortable. They want us to be up here as the example, the perfect person, the pedestal pastor. No, the more we do that, the more likely people are to think that they aren't able to be a part of this because they're not perfect and their faith isn't perfect. I would much rather be who I am, imperfect, unbelieving, doubtful, struggling uh, publicly and have people say, oh, Pastor Natalia didn't believe in God yesterday. I didn't either. <laughs> cool. I think I could, I could, I could do that. I could be there. I could, I could be in that church. I could be in a church where their pastor is honest about faith and struggle and how hard it is to be a person in this world. I'd rather have our church be full of people like that than people who are putting on their perfect veneer of Christianity to sit in the pews. So if you have doubts, if you have questions, come on in. <laughs> the water's nice over here. <laughs> and we ran out of, we've run out of time again already. Yeah, that's how fast <laughs> it goes. Um, I would just tack on to that, 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 that it is said that when Luther, Martin Luther died, in his pocket was a little slip of paper on which was written, we are all beggars. And uh, I think that relates to uh, what Natalia was just saying, that in the end, it isn't our strong faith uh, 
that gets us through the gates of that mansion, as the best rock band uh, once sang. Uh, but it is the, the good news of the gospel. Um, and, and, and in that way, we're all beggars. We're all dependent on a gracious God. And uh, every time we go begging, God comes with it and says, you are my forgiven uh, child, and uh, this is my body given for you, my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin. Uh, and we always like to point out that's uh, whether or not you, you feel like you believe it on that given day, um, it, you, it, it is what it is because God said so, not because you were able to appropriate it with some <laughs> level of, of faith. So thanks again for your, uh, your ability to do this. It freaks other pastors out that at Prince of Peace we're regularly able to set aside <laughs> time to ha have a microphone passed around the congregation. Uh, but it is, uh, it is a blessing to do this public theology together in the context of worship. Thanks again for uh, uh, working with us this morning on uh, entering into this Easter season together. The Easter season continues. It is not but one festival Sunday, but a whole season. So we move further into the story, looking around, uh, and, and finding where God will surprise us next. So we go together in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs>